he sucks and he'll always suck. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Mr. Lebowski, here to talk to you wonderful, loving people. I'm joined, as always, by our co-host and uh, producer, Zach Lines. We were scheduled to be joined by Mike Miracles from... Oh, man, you're going to tell them? I figured we would just let them listen to the whole podcast, and then they were going to be like, That's a great oh, point. Mike's not here. That's a great point. Ignore what I said. Mike is here. <laughs> Mike we just is don't here. have his mic turned on. Yeah, we're going to go with that. Uh, Keith is in a North Korean prison camp. Um... So here we Yikes. are. That's what a way to bring in the new year for Keith. Right? That's terrible. Yeah. He's going to have to figure it out. What a shitty end to a decade for him. But the Titans don't have a shitty end to the decade Ooh. because your Tennessee Titans are heading to the postseason, which <laughs> week six, we were talking about anything, but we were laughing about the mere fact that we were even discussing postseason before the season. So your 2019 20. Tennessee Titans are heading to the postseason. They're going to play New England next Saturday. We're going to discuss at length how they ended up playing New England because we were kind of talking coming into this that they were going to play Kansas City. Obviously, we'll talk about the Titans beating Houston. I want to discuss Derrick Henry grabbing that Russian title. A.J. Brown, 1K yardage on a throw that came from Marcus Mariota, ironically enough. Um, expectations against New England. We'll discuss a little, couple of other things going around the NFL because, of course, we are recording today on Monday, which is typically Black Monday. A lot of coaching changes, stuff like that. May not get into that in depth, but there's a couple of humorous things going around the NFL today, so we're going to get into it. First off, Zach, your Titans are in the postseason. Our Titans. Our Titans. Our are in the team. Postseason. We never wavered in our support. Never wavered. Never wavered. We at never all. called for any coaching no. changes. No. <laughs> never. Never happened. Listen. What a wild ride. We went from really high off-season expectations with lots of drama surrounding, actually, Ryan Tannehill and um, Marcus and that whole debacle with Benjamin Albright and Diana Rossini and all that about the quarterback competition. Right. But we had high expectations. This was the year that we were going to win the South. This was the year we were going to make some noise. And then we come out against Cleveland and or look like world beaters. And then we lose two games right in a row. Then we're down in the dumps and we end up going two and four and it's over. Dumpster fire, destruction, lay waste, tank, tank, tank. That's all we heard. We're going to be drafting a quarterback. We even had a whole podcast dedicated to the draft prospects and ranking their names, actually. <laughs> Making making snide jokes about what their uh, what their nicknames could be. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Ryan Tannehill comes in, and we are now in the playoffs in a 9-7 and seven team. And you know what? 9-7 and seven, four years in a row in the crazy way that every year has, has gone. Okay, so 2016, 9-7. Marcus is an MVP candidate. And we are on the cusp of going into the playoffs, and Marcus has that dreaded injury Christmas Eve. Right. 2017, Marcus is not looking very good, but we somehow cobbled together nine wins and backed ourselves into the playoffs, had a playoff win against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and we get destroyed by the Patriots. 
2018 rolls around, new coach, new offensive coordinator. We beat the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Patriots, but somehow missed the playoffs because of a fluke injury in week one that Marcus played with all year. And we have to start Blaine Gabbert, and we do not make it to the playoffs. And now this crazy year. I mean, it's not easy. These are not easy nine and sevens. I mean, the easiest one was probably 2017. But these aren't easy nine and sevens. But you know what? Fuck it. We're nine and seven, baby. We're in the playoffs. And I guarantee you that we're going to beat the Patriots. You know, guaranteed. I'll say this before we get to your guarantee. I'll say this, and and we don't have to dwell on it. We can move on. But for those that may still think that we're Mariota haters, for those that uh, are still stuck on the Mariota bandwagon due out of loyalty, I get it. That's fine. I I will say this in your in your defense, maybe to make you feel a little bit better. This organization owes a debt of gratitude for Marcus Mariota for sustaining the the Titans are nine and seven for four years in a row, the only team to ever do that. Correct? Right. The the last team to go four years with the same record is the Patriots, and when they were going like twelve and four, right, four years in a row. I don't I don't want to over glorify what I'm about to say here, but the Titans owe a debt of gratitude to Marcus for definitely being at the helm of pulling this team out of the depths. Because before this run of nine and seven, pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad for quite a while. It was pretty bad and it was pretty boring for the most yes, part. Like exactly. Maybe even if we were going seven and nine or eight and eight under Mike Munchak or whatever those records were, it was still a very boring football. So, you know, before before next weekend with New England, before, however, the playoffs shake out and then moving into offseason, the team owes a gratitude to Marcus Mariota. And for those of you that have stuck with Marcus for all this time, you know, you can hang your hat on that. But let's let's move on to this. Like you said, you're guaranteeing a win against New England. I, I mean, you were going to talk about the Patriots game, but I mean, yeah. we've seen them. I know. They're beatable, man. Okay, so I don't remember if it was you that tweeted this out under our account, which is that's really bad now that I say that out loud. You've had a busy day. I've had a busy day. Um, If you just look at the Patriots' record, if you look at someone's entire season record, it doesn't paint the whole picture. The Patriots in the last eight games are four and four. And that's pretty damning. It's act, that would actually, if the season ended in that time span or whatever, they would be fourth place in AFC East. Right. Fourth place. The Dolphins and the Jets are both in there. The team, the team that you saw, and if anyone got to watch the New England Dolphins game yesterday, it, it actually, if you get a chance to go back and watch it, it's actually a great game. Fitzpatrick played really well. The Dolphins played really good. But they got outgunned by a Dolphins team. The Dolphins did not Which, win. A Dolphins team that fired their <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yes. A Dolphins team that fired a Dolphins team that everyone was convinced was tanking to get a better draft pick basically gave away their entire team at the beginning of the season. And the the uh I'm sorry, the Patriots did not get beat on a fluke play by the Dolphins. The Dolphins drove 70 something yards to win this game. I, I, <laughs> the Patriots looked listless. I, they just do not look like the Patriots of old, and I, there are people rolling their eyes when I say that. I've even made comments multiple times on this podcast. We, we've about, been pretty strict this year of not falling into that category yeah. of, well, because we even said, I think a few weeks ago, it's just me and you in here maybe, or it may have been me, you and Keith, but we talked about 
well, we'll wait to see what December holds. Right. Right? I mean, that's what we always said. Because this is what happens. Patriots have these flute games here and there. They look listless and lifeless, and then they explode. I don't know. This does not look – this looks like a team. The New England Patriots look like a team that badly needed that bye week. Badly needed that bye week. I I don't remember who I was listening to today that was basically – I believe it was on ESPN. No, I'm sorry. Um – it may have been Ian Rapport. Forgive me. I'm, I'm all over the place today. Return to work after the holidays was kind of a bitch. But, um, it, you know, Tom Brady's got some lingering health issues. Not Nothing major, but he's a little beat up. Edelman's got some health issues. Th- this team needed a bye. Well, <clears throat> and, and they gave up a winnable game against mm-hmm. the Dolphins. And and this is a game they had to win. Like, they they it wasn't a game where you could say, oh, well, they didn't have anything to play for, right? They had to play for that home field advantage because this is the first time they've been anything other than the number one or number two seed since like 2008 or 2009. Yes, that's so correct. So they thrive on everything going through Foxborough. And yes, I think they're what, 24 and two? There's something ridiculous and Foxborough in the playoffs, something crazy like right. that. And, you know, that that's all well and good. I know that uh, I think. Tannehill, so people like are tweeting out now. Well, Tannehill was is zero uh, and six, you know, in Foxborough. Well, that's with the Dolphins, right? I mean, the Dolphins have never had an offense and never had Ryan Tannehill play as good as what we have right now. Who is playing the one of the top ten greatest quarterback seasons of all time? I mean, it's it's in the stats. It's crazy. Right. So it. Again, this was a, a a Patriots team that badly needed that bye week. So leading in to the Tennessee-Houston game yesterday, it was really kind of looking like that it was set up for Tennessee to play Kansas City. Because the way it was going to shake out is that if New England won, then it Kansas City didn't have a choice. They were going to fall to the three seed, which the six seed, which the Titans are, were going to play the three seed. However... The Patriots looked pretty bad against the Dolphins all day. So leading right into game time, it suddenly flipped to where Kansas City won. There was actually a great segment. I listened to the Kevin Harlan the call Ke- just now. The Kevin Harlan call, it's on Twitter. We'll, we'll tweet it out or retweet it if we haven't already. But there, there's a call where Kevin Harlan is basically calling two games at the same time. He's watching the Dolphins-New England game on a separate monitor while Kansas City is kicking a field goal after their go-ahead touchdown. And he's essentially giving a beautiful play-by-play of how the Dolphins were pulling New England out of their seating, handing Kansas City a bye week, and then the fans in the in the stands in Kansas City were getting the news over their phone or friends were sharing it with them or whatever it was, and it was starting to ripple through the crowd. And, and Harlan's calling this, the whole thing's beautiful. But watching that whole scenario break down, excuse me, right before the Titans-Houston game, I was convinced even looking at <laughs> plane tickets to Kansas City and then started telling my brother, I said, you you need to actually turn on this Dolphins game and stop looking at Southwest because I, there's a very good chance we're not going to Kansas City. And then sure enough, there it was. So you open with Tennessee at Houston for Tennessee to win and in, and now all of a sudden they're win- they're playing to go play a wild card game in New England. And for the first time in my life, we were arguing before the game that that was the better seed. Yeah. 
that it was better for us to play New England because of how bad they looked. It, it's it's perfect for us. Uh, I I mean, because we have to go to the Ravens no matter who we beat, right? <laughs> Kansas City is a tougher matchup for us to have to go th- or uh, to go through to go from Kansas City to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, that is that's tough. That that's pretty brutal. And now we can go from New England, which is a good team. I mean, you don't go, you know, the record and the stuff that they've done this year and not be a good team, right? They're not the best team like they were. They're not the – I don't even think they're probably top five in the AFC, I guess. They probably are, but they're they're, they're maybe number five. I'd say they're they're number five. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. So it's the best case scenario. I mean, we we were playing the number three seed either way, and we're playing the Ravens either way. Best case scenario is let's play the uh, Patriots out of the Chiefs, and, and we got it. And talk about don't want to get too you know too out in far in front of the horse here, but talk about a momentum builder for a team to be able to go into New England and win a playoff game. National implications aside, you're going to have the national media just just feeding off of that a lot of it because there are there are big subsets of the national media that are tired of watching the Patriots year over year was it FS1 today that had a counter up in the top left corner that said it had a countdown to the end of the Patriots dynasty and it obviously ends this Saturday Uh, I'm not gonna lie that makes me a little yeah no 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 I'm not I'm not going that far but what I'm trying to paint the, the picture, paint the scenario of, and actually I heard Buck Rising saying this on the radio on, on my way over to record this, is that the picture is painting itself up too nicely. And I am conflicted because I see this team has checked every box for me in the last eight weeks of stuff you want to see. And we've talked about this week over week with podcasts. Team is, you know, the Titans are going to play X team next week. What are your expectations? And all three of us, four of us, if if Keith can get out of that prison, is I need to see consistency. Oh, the offense looks good. I need to see that next week, right? Oh, AJ Brown's playing well. Need to see that next week. Derrick Henry's running well. Need to see that. We're at the end of the season. All of that stuff is still happening. The defense has, has fallen off a little bit. We'll get to that in a second. But I should be able to say with conviction that I don't have to worry about consistency. But we're about to go play the fucking New England Patriots in Foxborough in a playoff game in the winter. All of those boxes should automatically check as a huge red flag of don't get your expectations up. But I will say but with a capital B. I do truly believe you that we are going to beat the New England Patriots in the playoffs in advance. New year, new team, bud. New year, new team. And this offense is on fucking fire. So it, let, let's... It's, uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how you can watch these games and still have the doubt heading into the Texans <laughs> game. Because there were people... I just started re- retweeting, quote tweeting these tweets and just putting gifs with them. I just really didn't want to get into any arguments. But I wanted people to know that these people are out there saying, well, I just don't believe in this team. It's just going to be just like this team to, you know, fail, fail, fall on their face and blah, 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 like... Like, there was one guy, I think it was, um, oh, Diddy Simpson uh, He was saying that... Name names. Yeah, Diddy Simpson <laughs> was saying that uh, he thinks it's going to be a boring game and he might as well not watch and just watch something else because this game won't be worth his time. Chances he turned it off after the, uh, like, 80-yard drive by A.J. McCarron. Well, the that was a very unacceptable drive. Unacceptable. So, so I'm sure a lot of people Completely did. unacceptable, that drive. So actually, let's start there. Um, 
Any concerns going into the Houston game? Did I have concerns yeah. going into the Houston game? I didn't. I had none. I mean, I just... I had none. I, I mean, they're resting their starters. I know people <laughs> want to get into this thing that it's there's this mythical being over football that when the other teams rest their starters, the Titans is deter... He's a puppet master, and he's willing the Titans to lose. But that's just not the case anymore. That that guy's gone. Puppet Master is gone. And, and no, and that's, look, I can in, in a little bit of Titans trepidation defense. I can understand that because it has set up like that in the past. Look at how the 2018 season ended. Right. I don't want right. to compare the two teams because they seem night and day now. But we were all hyped up going into week 17 about when it in blah blah blah. All of a sudden, Mario is not playing, and it just turns into a disaster. But anyways, that's not that's last year. That's not this year. The Houston game, no, I didn't have any concerns going in. It was funny watching Twitter melt down and freak out after the first drive by A.J. McCarron, which admittedly I did hate to see. And and again, we're, we're going to talk about this a little specifically because it's really the only fault I've got with this team right now is the defense, which was pretty much carrying the load for this team in the first eight weeks, has now flip-flop and just can't seem to really stop a lot. So... It was not great to see A.J. McCarron drive 80-something yards on the very first drive and get scored on, but predictably, and actually Buck Rising again called it right before they scored, I can't wait, I'm paraphrasing here, but I can't wait to watch Titans Twitter completely melt down when A.J. McCarron scores on this drive, and sure enough, even within our private track group, and I'm not going to blow people's up, I'm not going to call names, but there was a lot of calls of, oh, my God, this is unacceptable. This is unbelievable. Unacceptable. This is Listen. Which we've had a good time with. I, looked, last I, I watched it. <laughs> I watched the game with Mike and a few of our friends, and, and we were at Jonathan's up in Mount Juliet. And we're sitting there, and they start doing their little drive. I look at Mike. I go, you know, I really just want them to score because I really want to see Twitter explode. Yeah. I said, I'm just – he goes, why are you saying that? I said – I don't know. I just I just feel like Twitter, you know, I just enjoy it you're now. Just, you're I, just here to egg on people yeah. now. Well, and then ten, of course, we get the ball back, right? And immediately I look at uh, Mike and go, you know, I just really hope he throws a pick six right here. Because I th- still think we'd win if he threw a pick six, but I just want to see it happen. So so here's, here's the tweet I was referencing. All right. Diddy Simpson. Yeah, I might just scoreboard watch. I want to watch competitive games. If Titans fold today and they resting, forget the playoffs, we'll get destroyed. LOL. You want to watch competitive games? <laughs> what? Okay, if you've not been watching the Titans for the last six weeks, you, you are literally depriving yourself of competitive football. That's all it's been. And then, then it, this is a, a listener, and it's Brett Gordon, but this is just a... Um, I just wanted to read this because this was kind of the attitude yesterday from most from a lot of the fans. This is the type of the game that the Titans have lost consistently for several years now. If they go in overconfident, we will lose. Those backups are still professional football players, and our defense is not very good either. He is right on two things. Those are are um, this tweet in general is correct. Yes, it, it we have consistently lost those games. Our defense was not very good for the beginning of the game, but you got to remember we gave up seven points in a long drive, and then they only scored seven more points the rest of the four four quarters. Right. Uh, and those backups are still professional football players, and and he's right. I mean that that is right. But the title of this podcast that you don't know yet, and but these listeners do: New Year, New Team. 
is that this podcast will come out on we're recording on December thirtieth. It will be out on January twenty or January second. January twenty second. Uh, still relevant. And um, this will uh, this is just a new year, new team. The that thinking for the most part it cannot be associated with this team anymore. No, right? I mean, don't you think that now that fans should be just done with the with the, that do. kind of that kind of thinking and also done with well Mike Vrabel's not a good coach let's see him get in the playoffs he hasn't ever gotten to the playoffs and I'm assuming that after he gets a playoff win some of those detractors will say well let's see him do it twice whatever we got into the playoffs when we were dead in the water at two and four that's a masterful coaching job this is a a great exciting team and I hope I don't want I don't want Brett to think that I'm I'm ragging on him. It's just a general attitude that I hope now that we're all on board that we're here for the team. We're ready. Yeah, let's let's go. Well, and that's so I really want to drive home the point you just made about masterful coaching because this is a podcast that was really hard on this coaching staff. So for Zach to say that specifically, because Zach was definitely floating the line and floating the opinion of if you're gonna get rid of Art Smith, you gotta get rid of Rabel. So I mean, yeah. it, listen. You can change your opinion on things, and that's perfectly fine. Actually, to be honest with you, that's how life should be. You should be able to change your opinion on stuff. But to drive home the point you're making here is that the Houston game should have put to rest the mythical boogeyman that is there to screw over the Titans. Because that's, in other words, to get get away from the negative automatic mindset, which admittedly I've, I've had even up until a few weeks ago, of the Titans are going to find a way to regress at exactly the wrong time and they're going to give up an embarrassing loss. They're not going to make it to the postseason or whatever it is, right? I'm still seeing a little bit of it. It's pretty silent today, but I guarantee it's going to it's going to kick up by Tuesday or Wednesday for sure of, you know, the Titans are going to end up one and done in the playoffs and it's just like we predicted and blah, blah, blah. Here's why I want to tell you that's wrong. A, you couldn't have picked a better matchup against New England right now. They're beat up. Even though all the other platitudes exist of the of New England in the playoffs are beat up right now, this is a very winnable game. B, Mike Herndon, if he had joined us, which he still is not, if you're still listening yeah. at this point, we have tricked you. His microphone's still not on. Um, it, Mike said on Twitter uh, at some point today that there's a 0% chance that this Tennessee team is going to show up and not be competitive. That if they do end up losing to New England it's going to be simply a last minute thing or it's just going to be the, the team that had the la- the ball lash and whatever. I'm paraphrasing the end of that part, but essentially this is going to be a competitive football game. So I, what I'm telling you is that win or lose, and Mike actually did say this again today, it's basically house money, that win or lose, your team got into the playoffs and they're going to play hard against New England and they have a damn good shot at winning. Well, just enjoy it. Well, they're one of six teams of one they're one of six teams out of 16 in the AFC that can make it. That's that's a upper echelon and it wasn't that they kind of backed into it like it was 2017. They earned this playoff spot. This coaching staff earned this playoff spot. These players earned that playoff spot. Do not downplay what these players have done. Because you are mad a quarterback got benched or you're mad that a coach is still around and you're mad that an OC is not going to get fired, that he gets to keep his job. You're mad that Delaney never did anything. You're mad that you're wrong, you've are wrong. you been wrong about Derrick Henry this whole time. Don't 
let that stuff prevent you from enjoying. Uh, we are one one of very few teams, I believe, is like I don't know five or six of the last three years to have two playoff appearances. Right. If I'm not mistaken, it was it was some crazy low number that playoff people change every time. All these teams, we've had three opportunities in a row with these nine and seven records that you want to downplay and say that that's not good enough. But we have three winning, four winning seasons. Yeah, three winning seasons in a row. Twenty sixteen, twenty seven. Oh, <laughs> I can't count. Four winning seasons in a row. Three of the of the years in a row where we've had win and end games. This is just a competitive team. We may not be ever be a twelve and four, thirteen and three team. We may be a ten and six or eleven five kind of team. I don't care anymore. I, ever since taking your advice of just enjoying these games and just just going with the flow and not worrying about it, it is a lot. I cannot stress this enough. It's a life altering way to view it's, these games. It's much better of. Uh, it's a much better way of watching football games and exactly what you were just saying about. Look, I'll put it this way. Don't get caught up in tribalism, which is, it's the hot thing right now. Politics, friend groups, social media is the worst about it because you follow people and follow groups and follow things on Twitter that only appeal to you. You don't typically want to follow the stuff you don't like. So we tribalize ourselves into these little corners and then we don't like to deviate from it. So if you've jumped on the, my quarterback was bench train and you're depriving yourself of watching good football, that's on you, but I'm not here to beat you up about it. I'm trying to remind you, you're missing some good football. The whole point of rooting for a team is exactly in its name. It's a team. It's not one person. So enjoy what's in front of you. Don't don't feel bad because, like you were saying, you're wrong about the running back or you disagreed with drafting so-and-so or you don't like Mike Vrabels or whatever it is. Enjoy the fact that your team is in the postseason. So I, I do want to get into a little bit with uh, Derrick Henry. Still balling out. Man, First it, off, the, the difference a week makes. Yes. No fucking kidding. I mean, for some reason, the moment that I knew he was going to play well this week is when uh, they were traveling. And I forget what day that do they travel on Friday? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. And maybe. he gets off the plane and he's wearing that plaid suit oh, with yeah. the white shirt with the big M embroidered on it. First off, what is the M? What, what was that about? Do I don't you know? know. I don't know. I, I meant to try to was look it that an up. M or a crown? Was it a crown? I thought it was a big uppercase M. Uh, I was just asking. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but um, anyways, the moment I saw how kind of pleased with himself he looked dressed like that, I was like, oh, he feels good. Oh, yeah. He's fucking feeling it. He's there to ball out. And apparently, uh, according to Paul Karski on the radio today, he was kind of upset that he was sitting yeah. last week on the I bench. I heard that too. He wasn't like upset with the team, but he was frustrated with the whole situation that they weren't going to, they didn't want him to play. I want to say that thought uh, Kevin Byard said that on the wake up. Maybe so. Maybe so. I I think maybe that's the first where I heard it, but it may have been someone else that said that. But um, yeah, the I'd be angry too. I mean, because he thought because he thought you know well that's it. Uh, The Russian title is out of reach, and he needed 166 yards yesterday, and he got 211. (laughs) So Kevin Byard said that he wanted to get that interception because he wanted Derrick Henry to get those yards on the wake-up zone this morning. That was great. Yeah. And that's that whole thing, the team mentality of wanting him to get that. There was a Tracy Wolfson said during the game um, that, first off, she nearly gave me a heart attack because anytime they go to a sideline reporter and they say, I was just, I just saw blank person. Yeah. 
99% of the time, <laughs> they're following that statement with limping. In the blue tent. <laughs> in the blue tent, limping. His leg was in the incorrect position. <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, it, she literally said the phrase, I just saw Ryan Tannehill on the sidelines and I just buried my face, my hands waiting for it. And she said, I saw Ryan Tannehill on the sideline and he was making the comment about how close they were to the rushing title for Henry. And LaJuan heard him, heard her, heard him say that. And he started running up and down the sideline telling everybody block like you've never fucking blocked before because we're getting in this fucking rushing title. Well, you know, good for LaJuan. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. that's kind of what we've been wanting from him, right? That kind of yes, anything. Precisely. And so, hey, props to Lawan. He's he's on that sideline, being a team player, getting the team psyched up, and that's what he should be doing every game. But, well, not but. And what about when Derrick Henry? Uh, every, we all thought he was getting pulled off towards the end when he just they just got the ball back, and I think he did. Either the holding call or the false start. I don't remember what. Yes. He did something. And he's going off. And I'm looking at Mike. He's like, man, why are they taking him out? Surely they're not going to arrest him. He only needs 40-something yards. And uh, and um, then he comes back. Apparently, Vrabel told him he's got two carries to do it. Or they're, they're pulling him because they don't want him to get injured. He's got two carries. <laughs> and immediately he runs for 53 yards. I can't tell you. I those It's the little things like that in football that that right there is why I'm obsessed with this sport. Yeah. Is that a coach can look at a player and say, if you want the rushing title, you have two plays to get it. (laughs) And then he rips off a 53 yard bounce to the outside scores. And then they show Vrabel and he just gives this slight little shit eating grin. I kind of said that he may have uh, pleased himself. Like that <laughs> was, was, we may have saw his vinegar strokes for those that know. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's hope he enjoyed it because his manhood is in serious jeopardy yeah. right now. Yeah. That little prediction he made. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's, it's the little things like that. Yeah. That just, I couldn't get enough of that. It, when, when Tracy Wolfson was talking about, how they were going up and down the sidelines, making sure that he was going to get that rushing title. How can you not enjoy that as a fan? And as a teammate, that has got to get you pumped. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that cements locker rooms together. Right. So if you want to know like how good this team is feeling going into New England, I promise you as a fan, if you're looking at it the way Zach and I are looking at this game of they absolutely have a very good shot of beating New England, fuck, Zach guaranteed it. I promise you that locker room thinks they're going to the Super Bowl and knows they're going to the Super Bowl. Hey, listen. I feel like they're going to the Super Bowl, but I mean, I just feel it's a team. <laughs> it's a team of destiny, isn't it? I mean, Mike laid it out perfectly while we're at Jonathan's and he tweeted it out today, the revenge scenario yeah. game. We go to where Vrabel used to play and and all that. And he has a rivalry with Tom Brady, like a friendly little jab at each other. And he goes up there and he beats the old mentor again in Foxborough. Tannehill used to get his, you know, Tannehill's 0-6 <laughs> in Foxborough. Tannehill and Vrabel win. Then they go up to Baltimore. And we have a revenge game from that 2008 season where uh, um, Algie Crumpler fumbled and Chris Johnson and all that, and Lindell White, all that happened. And, and we beat them. We beat them in Baltimore, the darlings of the NFL. And then we go down Houston, and we just have, you know, the old school Houston Oilers versus new school Houston Texans, you know, 
going beating them in their stadium to send Ryan Tannehill back home to Miami to win the Super Bowl in the city that fucking spurned him. You cannot write a better movie than that. You can't. That is a team of, I just, I'm telling you, all that lined up perfectly. And it, it, I mean, it just makes sense that I think he's going to win us the fucking Super Bowl. Like, Listen, I, I am get, I'm giddy. I just can't help it. No, and I really like seeing your reaction right now. And here's why. Because I... I'll never forget how I felt two years ago when the Titans beat Kansas City. And it was a great moment, obviously, that, you know, the play of the game or one of the plays of the game was Mariota basically throwing a touchdown pass to himself, which was a fluke, but admittedly it was pretty awesome. But at the same time, like, this is the thing about that playoff game. I can tell you absolutely right now with 100% certainty, I knew that was the end of the road. I was enjoying that victory for what it was because I didn't think they had a shot in hell of men beating New England. Absolutely at all. However, I, I just was enjoying that playoff run in the moment, but I knew they weren't going any further, so I wasn't ready to get excited about the postseason. Right. I was kind of just excited that we were there. Now I'm excited. I almost went and I was like, eh, no, we're probably going to lose. Yeah, see, I, <laughs> I, I actually, go. my birthday, um, my birthday's coming up here in, in just a few days. And so it this usually happens when the Titans go to the postseason. You know, my family's always like, do you want to go to one of the games as a birthday present, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> I didn't want to go to that New England game two years ago because I just honestly did not want to spend that much money or have someone spend that much money on me for a birthday present to go stand in the freezing ass cold, yeah. listen to that fan base and watch that team get their ass kicked and all three of those things happen. But the point I'm trying to make is that I like seeing your reaction describing what you just described because I'm not ready to say all of that, but I want to fucking say it so bad. It's like when you start dating somebody and you feel it and it's right and you know it's going to be a long, good relationship. And who knows if, if the cards play right, you'll see it could go well. But you don't want to say you love them just yet yeah. because you want to make 100% sure that the reaction you're going to get back is right. I'm, I'm a drunk early I love you guy <laughs> in the relationship. You're ready to load up a U-Haul on the second yeah. day, but um, no, it, it, it's uh, like I, I feel the way you feel. I'm just I'm not quite ready to say it because I need to see this team beat the shit out of the Patriots. Right. And I don't blame people for not being on board with this whole scenario <laughs> or being excited or anything, because, I mean, I recognize that it is a long road to the Super Bowl and it's a hard road to win one. But doesn't it just feel good to say it, it does like it just feels good to say that this is a if we win all these games, there's this gigantic storyline for every game, not well, just oh, when you're going to the Super Bowl, it's when but you're beating teams that that have either plagued you or have you have history with. It's just it's just great. No, it is. It's the scenarios that are set up for the road to the Super Bowl, like you said does seem like something of destiny. Yeah. It seems like something that as, as a fan, you like to have those little storylines because there would be no shortage of them to go from New England to Baltimore to potentially Houston or you know even the Bills to going to the Super Bowl in Miami. It, you just can't make that up. Uh, you know, I just kind of wish there was a good NFC team 
that we have a good history with because I, I kind of wish the Rams were in there because I wish no it was kidding. Ram and Titans again. No, no kidding. You know, but I mean, hey, we make it to the Super Bowl. I don't care if it's one yard line short or whatever. I was just gonna we're say we're fucking in the Super Bowl. I was just gonna say, let me paint the scenario for you. AJ Brown comes across the middle, catches the ball, extends, and comes up a one comes up one yard short, and we lose the Super Bowl. Well, we How have to. He we have to immediately cut him. <laughs> That's it. You're That's done it. with no, him no, at that no point. With AJ Brown. Then you're done with yeah, him at that with point. Him. Well, let's get back to reality. AJ Brown hunt one thousand yards yeah. on the season. Would you have ever guessed that at the beginning of the season? At the who preseason in, before the season started in preseason, probably not. Right after the Cleveland game, I definitely thought that we were going to have two one thousand yard receivers. Yeah. I was like high as a kite off that Cleveland game. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see it, and you know, um, I thought I thought we were gonna he was gonna make. It. I thought at least one of them was gonna make it at the I, beginning of the year, but not was, not before. Before yeah. I was like, okay, Corey may get just over a thousand, but AJ will be like seven hundred. I was like, I was little, I was a little irritated towards the beginning of the season when you know he had a couple of great catches, and people were saying he's not ready to be a wide receiver one. He's not the wide receiver one yet. And I just thought. I don't know, man. I see a monster of a wide receiver. And I think if he gets more opportunities, he's going to continue to go wild. Well, he has continued to go wild. We now have a rookie with 1,000 yards, and he is a legitimate contender for rookie of the year. I, I think he should be the, the, the rookie of the year. Yeah. And there's nobody that's done more with less target slash ball in his hand than A.J. Brown. Right. Because you, you got to think, Kyler Murray has had five <sighs> games under six yards per attempt as a quarterback. That is insanely bad. Yeah. And his team, while better than the previous year, was still not great. And, yes, he made some great throws, but he has a chance to do something because he has the ball in his hands almost every play, right? Whether he's going to – he takes the snap, he's either going to hand it off, he's either going to run it, or he's going to throw it. So he has all this opportunity. Josh Jacobs is the same way. He gets all these uh, – he has 224-something uh, carries and over 1,000 yards. Well, he should have that because he's got all these carries, right? A.J. Brown has 84 targets and 52 receptions and has 1,051 yards. For comparison, Corey Davis has 43. So A.J. Brown has nine more receptions. And... He has 450 more yards. <laughs> 450. Remember that number? Because his yards after catch is 465. Mm. He has 11.3 yards per uh, per reception. I mean, it's just yards after the catch per reception is 8.9. He only has two drops in 1,051 yards and... He has, um, I'm looking at his stats here. Oh, that's advanced receiving. That's probably why it's all confusing me. <laughs> um, let me go right here. And so it's 20.2. That's what I knew something was wrong. 20.2 yards per reception, eight touchdowns. And then he, him and Derrick Henry have four touchdowns apiece of 50 yards and more. They're tied, which is tied for the most in the NFL. Yeah, you're tied. telling me this is not your offensive rookie of the year. Give me a break. This is your guy. Don't fall in love with a position. 
Well, it's, you know, a quarterback. They're the most important position. Don't, oh, it's a running back. You know, they have, have a lot of wear tear on your body. This is a running back, a wide receiver and a running back body doing college shit out there. I mean, he's like a college wide receiver out there. When he ever gets the ball in his hands, you think it's going for a touchdown. I always get, I, I get really tired of certain awards always being, you know, they seem to be labeled for certain positions. You know, the Heisman is notoriously bad about that. It always does. <clears throat> it drives me nuts in the NFL how much the quarterback ends up winning MVP of the Super Bowl. Right. And, and before I get eviscerated for that, the MVP of any team is always going to be the quarterback 100%. It is the most valuable position. You can't do shit without a quarterback. Right. So set that aside. It draws me nuts how much they're always named. I, I 100% agree with you. It, it, bias aside, the next person on the rookie of the year list would be who? I, I would say Miles Sanders. And I know that there's a contingent that, but I think it's a distant second. That's what I mean. And I, mean, I just. That, I, I don't think it's close. I just don't. Not to mention, look at the production that A.J. Brown has gotten out of basically a shortened season because you're you're looking at a team that was offensively completely inept until about week seven. Week, or well, week eight. So, anyways, I agree with you. I, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, you're right. I mean, think of it this way. He only has 11 starts out of the 16 games. Now, he's played all the games, but he only has 11 starts. Yeah. So, that you know, the production he's gotten in a shortened season for him to get to 1K is just amazing. But again, I, I got to do it. I've got to be the guy to step back and say this. You've got the potential offensive rookie of the year on your team. You've got the rushing leader for the AFC, the rushing king for the AFC. You've got a quarterback who's playing absolutely out of his mind. Who should be comeback player of the year any right. other year if it wasn't for Jimmy Garoppolo. Bingo. If it weren't for Jimmy Garoppolo, which Garoppolo makes a hell of a case, he, he would absolutely be comeback player of the year. You've got these three accolades, these three giant pieces of your team, which most teams, and I can tell you that the, the list of teams that came out today for their draft order any one of those 20 teams would love to have one of those pieces filled correctly. Right. So it, to see those three positions playing it the way they're playing, I mean, say again what you were saying about Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. They share the most number of touchdowns over 50 yards. Right. Four, four piece. On the same fucking team. That means that we have eight touchdowns by those two alone because Janu has a few uh, as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, those two alone have eight touchdowns of 50 yards or more. I think it was Kyle Brandt said today on Good Morning Football that the Titans are basically now at this point to where they can score from any position on the field. Yeah. That dawned on me this morning, too. I never really thought about that. But most of the time when you're watching football, you're thinking, get it down into the red zone. We'll see. I mean, shit, the red zone for the Titans is basically anything past the opening 25. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really impressive to watch. I, look, I know we're gushing about this team. I know if you're a Titans fan, obviously you want to hear the gushing, but I, I just can't say it enough. And the reason why I'm so thrilled to see this is I've I've literally never seen the Titans play this way. I I, I think... And, I, let me say this. The people that say, well, you know, 2003, Steve <clears throat> McNair, Eddie George, all that. Uh, let me just say something. This is easily the best offense I've seen the Titans have. Right. This... <laughs> This <laughs> to me, close to yeah, me. no, this that's to, not to diminish their accolades and what they right. were able to do. They were tough. They were gritty. They were a fun team to watch. Yes, uh, they. Th it's a totally different 
team. Right. That was that was a team that most of the time was coming down to damn good defensive play as well and games being decided by three to six points. This is a team that goes out and for some reason seems like on any given Sunday they can score at will on any given play. And it's pretty amazing to watch. The, the only downside I'll say here is that if you give me something I'm concerned about, which it hasn't really cropped up yet because the offense seems to be outscoring the problem, the Titans' defense is in a rut. And the, and I know the secondary is depleted. Got Obviously got Logan Ryan. The poor guy feels like he's out there by himself. And there is spotty, this is where I wish we had Mike a little bit to kind of speak to this, but the pass rush to me seems very spotty. There seems to be moments where they do put pressure on the quarterback and it looks great, and then it seems to disappear for 10 plays. Yeah, it's yesterday with Laramie Tunsil out and A.J. McCarron in there, you would have liked to have seen more sacks. Yes, def- I was I was disappointed that I didn't see more sacks. I, I, th- I think there is some disappointment with, with this team on the defense, but I, I think they are disappointed in it as well. Sure. Um, I, I think, you know, with the Dory coming back, which he should be back for the Patriots game <clears> is what we hope that we, we would have enough to be able to do whatever we need to do on defense. That, that will be a big piece him come back. But I will say this, as much as that concerned me and all that was, Highly, highly concerning. I will say that if Dory, I'd rather, if Dory's not 100%, but he could use another week's rest uh, to get 100% and then be ready for Baltimore, I'd much rather him rest this game because I don't think that it's necessary to have a Dory Jackson out on that field. Really? I, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's, I think I want it, but I don't think it's necessary to do because I, I don't think they have a speed guy and the quarterback to give him the ball deep successfully anymore. I'm not, Dory's <laughs> there for that speed ball to make sure that, you know, yeah. the speedy receiver is not beating us deep. I'm not too concerned with anybody on this team trying to beat us deep. I, I think that they will probably dink and dunk on us, but I don't think a Dory would solve that problem necessarily. That's a, no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, l- let me kind of flip the script a little bit. I, I mean, it's obvious. I-, I actually say this with a little bit of, of naivety because when it comes to matchups on wide receivers, and I, I know I'm getting eye rolls by saying this one, sometimes I- I'm not completely clear on why a certain position is going to cover a certain wide receiver. And I heard Paul say today that it's a given um, that Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, is going to cover A.J. Brown. So... Uh, I think he's going to get eaten alive. I'll really? be honest with you. I don't know. I mean, we saw Corey Brown kind of dismantle um, St- Stephon Gilmore. Or St- is it Stephen or Stephon? It's an O. I'm yeah. assuming it's Stephon. I could be saying it wrong, but it's spelled S-T-P-H-O-N. Oh, Stevie Gilmore. Oh, Steve. Oh, uh, Steph. Steve Gilmore. <laughs> um, I... I don't know. I mean, he got eaten alive by Corey Davis last year, right? And we all know that A.J. Brown is essentially better Corey. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not entirely sure if that's a good move by the Patriots, to be honest with you. Who else would they have to cover him? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, then you got Corey over there, and then you got Janu. This isn't a team that 
is a that can't that can't produce if you take away the best player. And that's right. what Bill Belichick does. Right. Last year he tried taking away Corey Davis, it didn't work. And they'll probably will not work when you try to take away AJ Brown. You may be able to take away AJ Brown, but you're gonna have Corey, you're gonna have Janu, you're gonna have Derrick Henry, and their linebackers are slow as hell. And you know, it's just a recipe for disaster to try to Maybe Gilmore can cover AJ Brown by himself, and I know that Ryan Tannehill is gonna, but Ryan Tannehill is gonna force feed him anyway because we saw Ryan Tannehill throw a fifty-something yard. I don't know, even know how long that uh, throw was right. to a double-covered AJ Brown. Right, he's gonna throw to AJ Brown regardless. So what? What I kind of like about this now, this is coming from somebody yeah. who is not as well educated in football as well as you know you and Mike, especially, is that. <clears throat> I really think that last year's regular season matchup against the Patriots works a hell of a lot more in our favor than the Patriots because the Patriots team that played us last year is not playing the same offense. Right. And so I feel like that we are coming in with a better look at their offense in a game time scenario. Yes, it was last year and I realize the ridiculousness of what I'm saying, but what I'm trying to put behind this is that I feel like the Titans get a planning advantage coming out of that from last year. And then, of course, they had the joint practice in the preseason game this year. But still, even those practices are kind of <clears throat> moot because right. it's Marcus. Right. And it's a totally different it's a totally different offense even from there. Even backing off of that statement, coming into this game with the rushing leader who's healthy and show just, a, just how healthy he is, a 1K rookie receiver, and they're not even, these aren't even just one trick ponies, which I don't even want to say because that's just ridiculous even hearing it escape my lips. But you do still have other weapons to go to. You still have Corey Davis and you still have Johnny Smith. So you may have Humphreys back. Right. You may have Humphreys back. I mean, this is a team that is firing on cylinders at the right time. And this is very, very good to see. So I got to ask I know you opened the show by predicting it, but what are your expectations against New England? I'm expecting 35-14. Wow. You, yeah. you you are you're seeing basically a blowout. I the NFL equivalent of a blowout. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't know. Maybe we just win by 10, but I, mm. I don't know. I, I feel like their defense is just right now just tired from having to bail out this team constantly all year. Because yeah. you gotta remember this defense was the the shit at the beginning of the year. It's yeah. one of the best defenses ever. And now nobody's really talking about the defense because it has fallen off. Yeah. And I think they're just gassed. I think they're tired. I think it's an older team too. A lot of that, and we got a lot of young pieces. A lot of that doesn't people don't think about that. But the older that you are, it's harder to recover week to week to week. And you're seeing that with the defense. That recovery time is really taking a toll on their bodies and their speed and their their endurance. You're seeing it on the field. Right. There was a few years ago the Patriots didn't make it far into the playoffs, and um, Bill Belichick ba basically gave a, pro uh, a a press conference after they lost of, in you know in in his terms of being exasperated. And I'd, I've done everything I can do with this team. I've gotten everything out of this team, and you got to say that about Belichick. He is going to get every ounce of juice that he can squeeze out of that thing. So, for you know for him to say that, you can see he's frustrated. Kyle Brandt said again on, on Good Morning Football, that's kind of his reasoning behind why he thinks the Titans are going to win is because he feels that Belichick is at that point right now. 
Well, I I think he kneeled down in front of the defensive players yes. during the Miami game. I saw it was that. the first time that anybody's ever seen him do that or something like that. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, first off, that's really crazy. But second off, how bad is that defense right now that yeah. he's having to do that? And I'm I'm telling you, I mean, they got slow linebackers, and it's it's gonna be cold up there. Derrick Henry is gonna is feeling good. I mean, he's feeling himself. Well, and that's the thing you say about the weather. It's going to be cold, but it's actually not going to be frigid like yeah. it should be this time of year. It's actually going to be what in the mid to low 50s. Oh, is it at really? Game time. And then hmm. by the time the game kicks off, I mean, the sun will be down. So it's going to dip into the 40s and then eventually probably the 30s by okay. the end of the game. So while it'll be cold, it'll be Nashville cold, <laughs> yeah. but but it's not going to be frigid. 2017's game against the Patriots was, if I'm not mistaken, low teens, mid teens. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was my brother was telling me just terrible stories about like the only heaters in the, there's no heaters in the concourses. They're all in the bathrooms. So they were having to go stand in the bathroom under the heaters to get warm. Cause, and he's wearing like Carhartt overalls, the whole thing. And he said the whole time he's doing it, Patriots fans are coming in, cussing them out. That's right. Shouldn't have come down here. You fucking redneck, blah, blah, blah. You know, just a terrible fan base. Yeah. So where I'm going with this whole thing is that it's not going to be cold and nothing would make me happy. I mean, nothing would make me happier than to see that Patriots fan base stream out of their own stadium in the fourth quarter because they realize it's over. Actually, the best possible thing that I could hear happen, and we heard it a few weeks ago, is to hear that team get booed. Yeah. Oh, I'd love it. If I hear the Patriots get booed, I promise you, you can mark my words, I will be on Twitter talking about the Titans are going to the Super Bowl. It would probably be one of the most amazing things to witness. Yeah. And I don't care what happens the rest of the playoffs. We won I, the playoffs. I'm, I'm not even that, kidding. That means we won. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll make myself a Super Bowl trophy out of Lou and a foil mail it to the team. But um, if, if that team gets booed, I will find a way to pull that recording off YouTube TV and burn it onto a Blu-ray so that I can watch it when I feel bad. I like it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to get to a couple of other NFL things uh, before we wrap this up, because I tweeted this out yesterday and I do mean this. If you can find a way, if you've got NFL game pass or something to go back and watch some games from yesterday, definitely go back, watch the Kansas city game, watch the new England Dol- uh, dolphins game, watch uh Sunday night football, which was uh, Seattle against, um, Oh God. Uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. And they, they can't fucking still get calls right. <clears throat> still can't get calls right. I mean, give me a But yesterday break. was one of the most exciting Week 17 football lineups I have seen in a very long time. I haven't had that much fun watching NFL football in probably a decade. I don't know what it was about yesterday. There were no true clinch scenarios yesterday. Everybody was already in the playoffs. But the seeding, these teams were playing like they were playing for the Super Bowl yesterday. It was yeah. amazing. That Sunday night football game, the last five minutes of it were a wild football game. That was so much damn fun to watch. Watching the Dolphins come back and drive almost 80 yards to beat the Patriots was just amazing. So if you get a chance to go back and watch it yesterday, it was a really, really good day in football. Um, what I do want to talk about first off is Adam Gase continues to be a piece of shit. Now, for whatever reason, the New York football Jets see it as a good idea to keep going with Gase, even though he has given them every reason, every possible red flag to get rid of this son of a bitch. So today, and I don't know if you saw this, I did retweet it, so there's a very good chance you did, but 
Um, Adam Gase was asked about Le'Veon Bell and basically if he wants him on the team next year. And he's got his hat pulled down real low. He's rocking kind of a heavy beard. Can't see his eyes. And he's just leaning into the mic. And he goes, yeah, I, I don't know. Don't, don't ask me that question. You're going to have to ask Joe that question. And then somebody goes, what do you mean, Joe? Like, why can't you answer that question? He's like, you got, I'm not a head of personnel. Not a head of personnel. Le'Veon's got a three-year contract, okay? You're going to have to talk to Joe about that. I mean, it, it, <laughs> no confidence at all that he wants Le'Veon Bell there. How can you stand by and listen to this son of a bitch talk that way? Well, and then Le'Veon, you know, quotes tweets it with the Michael yeah. uh, Scott gif of him looking very angry. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. This team, regardless of whatever GM or executive made this move, your team pulled strings to end up with one of the hottest free agent signings this year. Now, granted, Le'Veon did not pan out, but Adam Gase has got a lengthy history now of being a shitty coach, does not know how to capitalize on the talent he's got, and he's making comments like that in a season to where they were not competitive and looked wildly out of control, and this is the guy you're sticking with? This is all you have to say to that question. Of course I'd love to have Le'Veon back. You know, <laughs> that's I, he's a great player. Bingo! How hard is that to say? <laughs> but instead, this, throwing your GM under the bus. Throwing your GM under the bus. This guy is giving you every opportunity to walk from him, and that fan base would love it. Every Jets fan that commented, and the comments were rolling in so fast I could barely read them. There was not a Jets fan that was like, yeah, I agree with him, or yeah, absolutely, that's my head coach. It was seething out of that, complete seething out of that fan base. I mean, if they trade him, they're going to have to find someone to that will either A, pay it all, or they're going to have to pay some of his salary a la Ryan Tannehill, a la De DeMarco Murray when we traded for him. Not saying the Titans are going to trade for Le'Veon Bell, but it would not be out of the realm of possibility for this team to try to get a cheap veteran that takes advantage of another team. I just, I don't know. If, you, if you're a Jets football fan, that's that's hard to watch right now. I, I think, in my opinion, the Jets situation is a little bit bigger of a disaster than Cleveland. I would I would say that there's no hope in sight because yes. you're keeping Adam Gaze. Yeah. Your offensive line's a mess. You're you've lost respect to players like Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams already. Um, <clears throat> Sam Darnold's getting mono. You know it's it's crazy over it's, there. <laughs> your starting quarterbacks getting a disease that teenagers get. I mean, <laughs> I do honestly. I think if you if you were to have a, a perfect scenario to where Freddie Kitchens was still a head coach for Cleveland and put them side by side of Cleveland and Gase for five years, I would say Cleveland has a better shot out of those five years once or twice to get into the playoffs than the Jets ever do. I think it's hopeless with Gase as a head coach. So did you hear how Freddie got fired? No. Oh, man. This now, is, this is not the, as, as, yeah. as the Haslam family and the way they roll, I can only imagine, but I actually don't know the story. He was in a meeting with them. <laughs> And he got a Twitter alert saying that he was fired before they actually told him. Oh, shit. They let it leak before he actually got fired. That he was fired. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised that the, the Haslam family has a lengthy history of being very idiotic on a lot of things. But he had a phone conversation. Was it, was it Ian Rappaport that tweeted this out, that he had a conversation with Freddie Kitchens to where he said an emotional Freddie Kitchens yeah. told him that he thought he had the support. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, what th- what you just told me, follow me along on this little b- branch I'm yeah. going to walk out on. When someone tells you they're emotional, what's your first thought? Uh, crying for the most part. Right. Or, or tearing up or just, you know, <clears throat> technically just a general person crying. Now, this could also be used in the context of emotional is a good way, as uh, a PC way of putting he was cursing like a sailor. Yeah. Now that with Freddie, you, that's what I. That's think what is. I'm thinking is that when you tell me that he's in a meeting and he reads during a tweet that he's getting fired, I really truly hope this is what went down. The fuck you to the boss, and he's out, and then he gets on the phone with Ian Rappaport and is cursing and just fucking furious while Ian's trying to write down all this <laughs> shit and find a way to print it <laughs> so that he doesn't get fired. I really hope that's why it went down. I. I'm not a big fan of firing coaches in the first year. I, I think he was a disaster. I don't think it would have gotten much better next year. But my God, I don't think you do any. I don't think you're doing your team a, a correct service by firing a coach in their first year. But they should have fired Adam Gase. Sure. I mean, you've seen what Adam Gase yes. is in your own division, mind mm. you. Yeah. So you have played against him numerous times and know the players that have played for him. How does he keep a locker room? I don't know. I, I actually, I, I, I tweeted it out again today because, and the reason why I keep bringing it up is because the the two stories about the the one story about him getting his wife to order Uber <laughs> Eats is just so stupid I can't get past it because th- that's just mind-numbingly dumb. But the whole thing about leaving his wife at the hospital. After a C-section, she's not even fully sewn up. And this is out of her own mouth. She quoted this, so I, I'm going to take her for a word. She was not fully sewn up, and he has the audacity to turn around and look at her and say, you good, and then he leaves. <laughs> I, this guys he's a shit human being. I just think he's a it's shit unbelievable. human. It's, it's an unbelievable that someone in the NFL is, has, is like this. Because what do you think he is with working with? Oh, like he has to be awful to work with. This is what I was going to uh, talk about, and, and I'm going to butcher the story, and I don't have time to look it up because it'd be a lot of dead air. Nobody likes that. I was going to bring this up two weeks ago, and we didn't get to it because our podcast was so long last week. He apparently got into an argument. I'm butchering this, but he got into an argument maybe with some fans or something outside of the stadium. I, I, I don't know how this whole thing went down. But he essentially, his response to these people was, I don't need your opinion because I'm motherfucking rich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that I story. mean, like, this is, this guy is, you can't make up what an asshole he is. There's no redeeming qualities. I'm he, not he seen, should never get a head coaching job ever again. You know what? And now that you say that, it, it drives me up the wall that Josh McDaniels would ever be considered for a head coaching position anywhere. I I, I don't get it. I I really don't because he also ditched the Browns. I forgot this. Back in 2014, he ditched the Browns, telling the Browns that he he wants to wait for the Patriots job. I didn't know that. He leaves the Colts after hiring an entire staff and says, I'm going to go back because I'm going to get the Patriots job. Now, the fucking motherfucking Browns are back again at the door, and he's considering taking the job. Why? Because he wants to be a head coach. You're, bro, just stay in New England. Like, just stay. And Yeah, look at that Dolphins game. I, it, listen, I, I hate to say this. I really think the Patriots are closer to losing Belichick maybe than they think. Yeah. Because l- let's, look at, let's, just, let's paint a fun little scenario in our head. 
New England loses Saturday and it doesn't get much better next season. I don't know how this thing with Tom Brady goes. I'm leaning towards he stays in New England because I think at the end of the day, Robert Kraft and them are going to pay him whatever the fuck he wants. Bill Belichick will get the most out of Tom Brady at this stage of his career. Right. But we've seen it time and time again, and I have no reason to believe that Brady's no different. When aging NFL players hit their wall, they hit it like a ton of fucking bricks. So I, I really do think that when Brady hits the wall, Belichick will pretty much retire at the same time. So if if dumbass Joshua Daniels would just stick around for another two to three years, it is probably his job to have. Let me tell you something. He's going to stick around. I do not believe that he's taking any of these jobs okay. and he's wasting his motherfucking time and he's wasting these teams' times and they deserve to have their time think, wasted. Do you think he's doing it on purpose? I don't do you know. Think, do you think he's a vi- Okay, and here's why I asked like, this. I, I don't doubt. I mean, I can't you know say for sure no, but... Here's why I asked this is because I can't find another logical reason for why Adam Gase has a job other than he's just a fucking awful person. And for some reason, he's got something over on people and and they just love him. So the fact that Adam Gase exists in the league can lead me to believe that Josh McDaniels can just fuck with people because he can just do it. Well, and, he's, and all, he's got his job in New England because I mean. it's, a, I, it's a team and organization that constantly fucks with not people. Not to mention, like, look at it from New England's side. Like, they're just, they're okay with this guy constantly and loudly looking for another job, we've all had jobs out there where you're working with the person who sits in the break room and constantly talks about how they could do their bo- job yeah. better than the boss, right? Those people, that shit gets out of the break room, that shit gets into the locker room, it's a cancer, and then that person is usually, they end up getting fired because the company doesn't want that shit around their employees. It's toxic. So either the Patriots let him do this, or the Patriots are the dumbest organization alive and they just put up with his shit for no reason. And I think it's the former. Yeah. Because I think he's just fucking with them and they allow it to happen. I mean, he is definitely, most definitely fucking with these other teams. I have zero and doubt I think that it's he's staying with by the, the Patriots. Patriots. Yeah. I think it's ba- I think they put him up to it. Yeah, but they're like, yeah, sure. I go think ahead. it's a head game. Yeah. I think they're the wealthiest guy on the block. They've got six Super Bowl rings, and at this point, they don't have anything else to do. They got caught two weeks ago filming the Bengals. A, why are you filming the Bengals? B, why are you still filming teams at this point, period? So, I just, I think it's a fucking game. I think they're just fucking with them. It's amazing to me to see that people with so many other coaching candidates that do not have the track record that he has linked to him, the stench that he has linked to him, how can you even trust a guy like Josh McDaniels? But again, there's so many other better candidates, and there's not many job openings demand for it to be a, the supply for a head coaching candidate is vastly outweighs the actual demand for head coaching candidates. You could have a pick of anybody you want, and one of your candidates you're going to waste time interviewing is Josh fucking McDaniels. I know. No, I just I don't I don't understand it. It would be like running a restaurant franchise and the same assistant manager comes in and applies every time and he fucking sucks. He shows up late. Then when you get ready to hire him, he goes and works for McDonald's. But you interview him every eight months. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Are uh, you are you ready I, for this, Jameis Winston? I'm, I'm ready for this. So to, to kind of hype our listeners up a little bit, he uh, Zach asks me when I walk in to sit down to record, 
have you read the the stuff about James Winston today? And he gives me this look and I'm like, well, I mean, obviously I knew 30, I knew he threw 30 interceptions yesterday and got his own 30 for 30 and in the 30 for 30, he doesn't want. So no, I want to hear it. Bruce Arians, this is from Luke Easterling. Bruce Arians on Jameis Winston's vision. His vision, mind you. Okay. He's nearsighted. He can't read the scoreboard, but he can see the guys in front of him. Says Winston sometimes practices with goggles. The uh, motherfucker cannot see. What? So there, for whatever reason, this this has been a story that has apparently existed for a while that nobody talks about. But this year, uh, in one of my group chats, someone keeps sending these Jameis Winston as squinting pics, and they're saying, this motherfucker can't see. And I'm like, nah, man, no, there has to be something different. I mean, they, he's got to be able to see. He needs glasses. And this guy has needed glasses all the way back to Florida State. Jameis Winston is a fantastic quarterback despite not having his best vision when he plays football. When Florida State played Miami on Saturday in Tallahassee, one of the side stories the ABC announcers kept mentioning was how Winston does not wear his contact lenses when he plays. Winston apparently wears contacts the rest of the time but does not like to wear them when he plays. Throughout the game, Winston could be seen struggling to read the play calls from his coaches on the sidelines. He has shown repeatedly squinting. This motherfucker is a multi-millionaire and can't afford to go get get a, a coupon for like $700 for Loden Laser Center. The team's not just going to pay for it? I mean, like, I, I don't... And, and coaches let him? This is unbelievable. I, I really... I, I don't even know what to say. I mean... This is the craziest fucking it's story. It's the craziest fucking thing, and I hate to say this, like, I just... James Winston is just a... He's just a dumbass. He's just a dumb person. You're a fucking quarterback. He's just a fucking dumbass. And the fact that they allow him to do this, like, I I mean, again, I hate to use the work analogy, but if you kept showing up to work without your glasses, you couldn't see shit, they're just going to send you home, right? Yeah. Eventually, someone's going to look at you and say, dude, I can't let you work without glasses on. I, now that you say this, I see James squinting. All I, the time. I, all, he's doing it all the time. And I, I, people have ticks when they do stuff, and I just figured it was a tick. And now, now that I realize he can't read the scoreboard, the motherfucker can't. So that means he can't see the play clock, right? You can't see the play clock because it's about usually typical dif- di- distance of the scoreboard. Oh my god! Down in distance has to be sort of hard for him to see. It's <laughs> okay. It's, now I need to know his delay of game penalty rate. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that would be I, good to know. I, we need to look that up and tweet yeah. that out tonight. That's actually great. We need to do some detective work and, and and see if we can dig into if there's any correlation behind penalties that would involve you need is te- needing to see shit. How often have they played the Atlanta Falcons? Does he get that all fucked up when he's playing teams that exactly. have similar color breakdowns? Th- he threw 30 interceptions. <laughs> 30 fucking interceptions. <laughs> Don't you think if, if I'm a coach and he's at 15... I'm going to say, motherfucker, get some glasses. Get some LASIK. In the, I mean, give me a, a... You're a coach of a football team. How Bruce this? Arians, of all people, is letting this motherfucker get, see the, get on the field and throw the football deep. So knowing that... <laughs> so knowing that if Tampa gives him a contract extension, are they now the dumbest team alive? 
if they pay him the $35 million that he wants, which is utterly ridiculous, it better be in there that he has to get corrective surgery for his eyes. It, it's got to be. Someone said, well, Jameis would be the best. He'd be a great quarterback if he didn't throw all those interceptions. Well, no shit, dumbass. This he'd probably makes- be the best quarterback ever if he would just get LASIK surgery. It's a $1,400 surgery, I'm pretty sure. Or it's a, something it's, close and it's a surgery that you fully recover from in like two weeks. Fuck, just be Horace Grant and wear the goggles that you're wearing at practice. Are you that hung up? You you are a grown man who ate his fingers on TV. Are, obviously, you do not care about your fucking self-image. Wear the fucking goggles. This be Horace ju- Grant. This is just a dumb man. He is just a dumb person. You know what's worse? To me, it's the other grown men on his team. Yes. Oh, and man. and that are that are that drafted him that have uh been his coaches. They have let this go on forever. I, I this, I, this I don't guy even, can't see. I don't even know what to say. I I it, uh, what I hope I really hope that there is a subset of Tampa Bay's fan base that defends Winston like Titans fans to feel Oh, there definitely are. And I, I, what I want is that, okay, the people that defend Mariota defend him for a wholesome reason. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Actually, I was thinking yesterday is a little off top, but I was thinking yesterday, the NFL has not had a lot of arrests this year. Yeah. And, and I, they've got to be very happy for that. Right. Right. So except who was the Dolphins player that got arrested yesterday, <laughs> literally like right off the game. But anyways, um, Jameis, there's got to be Jameis defenders that people are like, I bet Tampa Bay Bucks fans are text or, tw- you know, putting this on Twitter to each other. And it's like, this is why we don't like the guy because he can't fucking see. And there's someone <laughs> out there right now who's just, oh, my God, oh, my God, but he threw 30 touchdown passes. <laughs> I, I want to, if they sign him. And he does not give the surgery because this is the story I will be following for a long time. I can I'm. I'm I baffled. want. I want their fans to show up with fake glasses on, ev- with tape in the middle. Uh, there was a uh, God, what fucking? There was a fucking uh, basketball player or something that used to wear tape down the middle of his glasses too. But black, I, I know who you're talking about. But yeah. or no, it was. Uh, I'm thinking of Wild Thing uh, from Major League. Oh yeah, uh, Charlie Sheen's character. They all need to wear glasses in the stands, fake glasses. Obviously, unless you need real glasses, but they they should and and they should have a sign. Someone should have a sign that is one of those signs you read at the optometrist. And it should be littered everywhere, and he should not be allowed to see the field till he can read the sign from a certain down and distance. Utterly crazy that other grown men have allowed this grown man, and it's utterly crazy this grown man hasn't done it too. Because his whole career has been nothing but interceptions and what ifs, and that's all you need. This isn't like what happened with Marcus, right? Marcus got fluke injuries that he could not control, right. and it's hard to, to control that, right? This motherfucker is blind, and nearsighted means, because I am nearsighted, that you cannot see far away. I know that's a weird way to put it, but you can see near you. So nearsighted, you cannot see far away. This motherfucker needs glasses, and all he has to do is spend like $1,400 to get even, listen, even wear a visor on your fucking helmet that is the prescription that you need. How simple is that? <laughs> I, this is this is so baffling, bafflingly stupid on multiple levels. I don't, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost without words. The only thing I can think is that 
I really want Tampa Bay to extend this guy now, and here's why. Because if opposing fan bases are not in the end zones with a giant seeing eye chart, yeah, I'm going to be very upset from now on. If, if, if opposing fan bases don't find a way to troll the fuck out of this idiot from now on because of this, I would have every fan in each end zone wearing goggles. I would have seeing eye charts. I would be as vicious to this son of a bitch as possible. Cleveland should turn their dog mascot into a CNI dog whenever they play Tampa oh, Bay. Beautiful. Absolutely. They should absolutely troll the shit out of this guy. Because this is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. If <laughs> I'm so if stupid? I'm Mike Evans, I walk into the front office tomorrow and I demand a new contract and a bonus up front paid to me under the table. Yeah. And if the team does not agree to it, I sue him. You know why? Because I have wondered for years as a loyal fantasy owner of Mike Evans, why he does not get more targets, and now I know why. Well, if now you're Chris, I know why. If you're Chris, he can't fucking see it. If you're Chris Godwin and they extend Jameis Winston, right, and you're Chris Godwin, who is on the verge of needing a contract, and maybe even this year, do you want to sign with a team with a blind quarterback? He's a legit blind quarterback. I would tell the team, yeah, here's what I'll sign with you. The market average is X. I want that plus twenty million. Oh, you can't fucking do that. Well, you go get his ass some eye surgery. I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> it it was it's so unbelievable. I'm serious. If I'm Mike Evans, I sue yeah. the team tomorrow. And it's it's no it's, wonder he can't throw it to him in the end zone. He doesn't always fucking there. Can't fucking see a quarterback that cannot see. I, I don't even trying know to, to say. act like he's daredevil out there trying to use a sonar hearing to be able to figure out where he's fucking throwing the ball. So I don't I know that there's an I know there's a reporter out there that's done this story and I feel like I've heard it on the radio recently. I'm not even going to try to pretend to remember or make up who's doing it right now, but basically the premise of the story is that NFL front offices are a lot more stupid than the average fan thinks they are. And actually, this kind of makes sense because what I was thinking about today, actually a little bit on the way over here too, Mark and I were beside ourselves laughing, talking about Brock Osweiler last night. Brock Osweiler has retired from the NFL. He's no longer in the NFL. A rich fucking man. A rich man. This man two years ago convinced, three years ago, my apologies, convinced the Houston Texans to pay him a $72 million contract, 37 of which was guaranteed. This man got $37 million and was legitimately one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play the game, ever. What front office allowed Jimmy Sexton to look at them and say, my man needs that money? I, I just don't, I don't understand that. But now I'm I want hearing, Jimmy Sexton to represent me in everything I do. That's what I, I mean. Do. That's what I mean. Now that I look at people like Adam Gase, now that I look at front offices that allow a blind quarterback, <laughs> that allow a quarterback to be blind and play the game. Now that I see front offices that allow Josh McDaniels to come in smelling like hooker sweat and covered in glitter and interview for a job and they know he's not going to show up, but there's one sitting at the table going, I don't know, he might text. Let's let's give him a day. I, I, I believe it. I think front offices are, are pretty fucking stupid. Well, I think they're pretty I mean, stupid. The Buccaneers are definitely one of the stupidest franchises I've ever heard. Yeah. You're letting your quarterback go out there and throw. First off, he threw 30 interceptions. Don't you think at like 22, you're like, okay, <laughs> motherfucker, we may need to get you some glasses. Like, why? I mean, I can't believe that this story is just now coming out because this story should be 
I, I need more of this. Is it, I want wide, all the art, is it widespread? I mean, I'm going to go deep dive into this when it, I get it, home. Well, someone wrote about it when he was obviously in college still. So, so this has gone... I can't... I mean, years without I anybody talking about it, it feels like. I can't wait to spread this. I, actually, this really makes me want to call into Midday 180 this week and just get it on the radio waves and make make our local team, make our local station talk about it. Because it's... Uh, this is egregious. This is uh, awful. I mean, Chad had LASIK, right? Yeah. So he probably knows yeah. how inexpensive it is. It absolutely does. As a matter of fact, because it's not, my both my parents had it, and I know they give out like fifty percent off Loden Vision Center coupons or whatever. So I know it's like pretty inexpensive yeah, mid, to do mid, it now. Midday one eighty broadcasted live from the from the LASIK Center and was broadcasting while he was getting his eyes cut on. I yeah. mean. But, I, but this guy can't. T- he's, can't he can't take that. away. That's unbelievable. He can't even. All you gotta do is just take an Uber over there, Winston. What's the harm in taking an Uber? If you told me this with no context, <laughs> actually, if you told me this without telling me the name of the quarterback, I would tell you. Oh, right. I should have done. You should have done that because the only person that I would believe in this league that would be that fucking dumb would be Jameis Winston. Yeah. I'm sorry, the guy's a dumbass. It actually it drove me nuts coming out of college when everyone was always talking about Winston versus Mariota because I'm like. They're not on the same plane. Mariota is obviously an intelligent person who reads coverage correctly. Jameis Winston is just a fucking moron. And one of them has 20-20 vision. (laughs) Is this on his scouting report? Uh, No, what I read was someone's article about the game uh, that he played. But I want a copy of his draft scouting report now. I mean, that's isn't that crazy? If that's not in a scouting report that this guy needs glasses. Yeah, that's what I mean. If it's not in his scouting report... (laughs) then whoever the scout was that was scouting him needs to be out of the league because apparently this article was widely was talked about on national well, television. We got to be careful about to talk about scouts because John Robinson was on the staff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great point. Maybe I shouldn't go down yeah. that road. Oh my God. All right. I'm going to close this out. All right. This is a, uh, it's been a good time. Ladies and gentlemen, appreciate it. Again, your Tennessee Titans are in the postseason. You got to get happy about that. Uh, Appreciate you tuning in to F-Words. As always, you can rate, subscribe. Please follow us. We like that. For producer, Zach Lyons, myself, and Mike Miracles, who didn't show up, you've been effed.